And we're back for another par train. We flipped the script a little bit here. Serm's usually the one that's got a couple work events. You know, the guy feels bad about missing episodes. But this it's time, tough. it's Serm and Ev, the original duo, Strats in Nashville. And uh, it's just us. What's up, my man? Hey, 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 Strats out. Serm's in. No, it's good to be back. At Take an unfortunate hiatus. But uh, I think we got a fun, uh, a fun little episode tonight. We're diving deep. Yeah, the Blues are champs, you know, I'm riding high. <laughs> and uh, this episode is another what we call chipping away episode. It's an unscripted, long-form conversation where we basically unpack a certain topic or idea. We've done it with golfing and addiction, um, with certain players' careers. And tonight, we are breaking down maybe our favorite topic, Serm, the mental game. Yeah, this is something we probably text about every day <laughs> mm. we we it's do the, talk we do talk mental approach via text regularly but it's something you know i love it's something i'm fascinated about because it's something everyone can improve and get better at here's here's the thing i will say um a lot of this will be very golf focused but i do think that there's a lot of parallels between becoming mentally strong on the golf course and also in life in general wow and so you know if you want to improve Kids your get, life. Kids getting deep. I'm getting deep. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's something that tends to happen and it's something I'm very passionate about. So, uh, yeah, I think we can dive in to every part of the mental game, the differences between when you start out playing golf versus the best players in the world, um, the range versus course. Why is it that you hit the ball so well in the range and you can't take it to the course? We'll talk about it all. I would love to start at the beginning, meaning, when I first started playing golf, you've been playing a lot longer than me. I took it up once I gave up baseball um, when I was 17. And I remember feeling so nervous. I had so much anxiety. I was so tense. I remember going to the range of my buddy's club called the Bluffs in St. Louis, oh, Missouri. Great course. Sure, sure. And um, I remember like going to the range and hitting the ball really well and just kind of praying that I could take it to the course. You know, you'd maybe hit one block, you know, with the driver on the course, and you just kind of hope that that doesn't come out on the course. And wouldn't you know it, every, every time I'd play when my first few years, you know, you'd lose like eight to ten balls. You'd feel bad because your group's looking for them. You feel rushed. And you end up doing everything you're scared of. And so I just started to realize, what am I scared of? Why am I so tense? What am I worried about? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? I would love to talk about that and why that is versus you as a player now. How did you get from that to where you are today, which is scratch player and played in D1 college? At some point, when do you start trusting your swing right, or your abilities? I think the hardest thing about you know, being mentally strong is, is not worrying about results in golf. Hmm. I think that's... I th- I think that's the I think that's the hardest thing, you know, I think and that's a huge difference. I, I feel like when I watch guys who shoot 90, 95 compared to guys who shoot 82, 83, well, it, a pre, the pre-shot routine really sticks out to me. Hmm. Right? When I watch somebody who shoots 90 or 95, you know, consistently, they don't really have a pre-shot routine. Take a couple practice swings, it's not the same every time. Yeah. They don't have the same, you know. They get upset. They get upset if their There's practice swing no, isn't good. Yeah, yeah. 
there's just no, and there's no, you don't, anybody, you can have whatever pre-shot routine you want, as long as you're not, you know, Bryson DeChambeau and take forever. Right. But it's just not the same. So I, I always felt like, you know, especially just watching people play, that a 10 handicap versus a 20 handicap, first thing that sticks out to me is a pre-shot routine. And I'm interested to ask you if you felt like that was a big thing in your progression, because that's what I see. That's the biggest thing. Obviously, the more you play, the more lessons you take, the better your swing is going to be. You know, the better you're going to, better pitcher, better chipper, better. But, but it's that discipline in the pre-shot routine. Well, that's interesting. I never thought about the pre-shot routine. I think it's probably not even actually the pre-shot routine. It's more of being disciplined enough to stick to something and start right. to create consistency in an approach. Right. I think it goes to. We've talked about this in a previous episode, I think. Remember we were talking about what it takes to get in the zone? And yeah. I think you were hitting on it a little bit. It's, the difference is when you play well, you're focused on process. When you don't play well, you're focused on results. Right? We've all Correct. done it. We've all had a flawless round going into 15. And you see where you're at and you start thinking, well, if I par these last four holes, you know, I could shoot X. Right. Could right. be maybe my best score could be to win the match, could be to move on, mm -hmm. whatever it yeah. is. And wouldn't you know it, just that small little thought and that added little tension on the result, you end up bogeying in or maybe you make a big number. And yeah, I don't think a lot of people we talk about it and people know it and they're like, God, I started thinking about it. But a lot of people don't know why that is. Why right. is it that when I start focusing on results? It, it all goes to shit versus focusing on the process. Well, because you can, you can only focus on so much, really so much. And you're just, so you're kind of creating new pressure for yourself. You're creating expectations for yourself and that creates tension, right? I, I think it's just unbelievable. And every golfer goes through this, whether you're Gary Woodland or you're, you know, Joe Schmo, who's a 25 handicap. Why are sometimes we afraid to be great out there? Why is it when we make a birdie, we're sometimes we afraid to make that next birdie? Right. You know, like, oh, you know, I've got to just play conservative. I don't want to, you know, screw this up and you end up screwing it up. Why can't we let ourselves be great out there? That's a big thing. Mm. That's a huge thing. That's a, and Ev, that's a huge thing what really can separate. You're talking about guys who are great Division One players, guys who played in the mini tours. but. You've never heard of them. They never made that, you know, the web.com or further than that because they can't, they're not, you know, shooting 63, 64 enough. They're shooting 68 or 69, you know. I mean, that's obviously a different level, but I mean, you've probably felt that out there, right? You make a birdie or two and you're like, shit, you know, but. Well, yeah, you know, I, I like started, you get, you I once started around birdie, birdie, birdie. And it was funny yeah. because my buddy's dad, the last time we played, it was the greatest line. He birdied the first. And he goes, well, can't birdie them all if you don't birdie the first. And we were joking about that line on the way to the course that day. And I birdied the first. And I said the line. And we all died laughing. Then I birdied the second. And I said the line. And we all died laughing. I did it again. And then that fourth hole, wouldn't you know it, I made double. <laughs> so what I was real it? excited. I think I shot like a 79. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I've heard people say, I don't want to birdie the first hole. I just want to par it so I can control my emotions. I've actually played my best rounds after bogeying <laughs> the first. 
<laughs> what is it? I mean, it's pretty much. But I get it. I mean, I, these are true stories, right? You just feel well, like a comfort, or you you feel like, oh, I got it out of my system. Why? But isn't the the point is to to birdie, right? <laughs> why why are we why are we so scared out there? It's interesting, you know, because but that all gets back to being caught up in results. You have to be so obsessed. You can't be the our problem is we we obsess about score and expectations and results but we don't obsess enough about routine. Yeah. You it's, know, and I'll say, so, I'll go, let's go back to DeChambeau as much as I like to you know, rip him. At the same time, he talked about that unfairity. He said, when I'm playing great, I'm so caught up on my routine that I can't, I, I don't think about anything else. I can't get nervous. You know, because I'm so you know, caught up in my checkpoints and what I got to do. And I just do that. And it's a really good point, you know? And I really saw that with Woodland. You could see that with Woodland coming down the stretch. It was a lot different for Gary coming down the stretch this weekend than it was in past majors, wasn't it? Yeah. You could just, the look on, the look he had, he stuck to his plan, but that's it. I've, it's, but it's so hard. It takes a lot of mental energy to be so disciplined, to obsess over routine, do the same thing every shot, think the right things, you know? Well, you know what Strat and I just did last weekend? Um, we've got our annual Ryder Cup trip tomorrow in Palm Springs. And so what Strat and I always do before we go on this trip is we'll play around together the weekend before and we'll ask each other every shot. And Ryan, our mutual buddy um, who played with you at Missouri State, he would tell me that he would play his best golf when his uncle would caddy for him in the summers and ask him, all right, Ryan, what are you trying to do here? Because it would right. force Ryan to verbalize it, right? Totally. Um, but totally. what I found is we would just ask each other, okay, talk me through what you're doing here. And he'd right. be like, okay, well, I'm trying to do, uh, it's like 155, it's in the back, there's a little wind, so I'm going to try and play like, you know, a lower draw, whatever, try and hit the middle of the green. And I'm like, all right, where do you, where you, where's a good miss for you? Um, right. And, right. you know, we'd talk through it, and wouldn't you know it? it? Every shot we did that. I think I think ever too often people we chase the perfect swing, you know, or the perfect feel, as opposed to just thinking about the correct strategy. Well, I want to talk about course management. There's a lot we yeah. can get into as well, and we can go back to some things. But course management, we talked a lot about this in Branson. We went on our golf trip recently. Is great time, incredible time. We should honestly do an episode about Missouri golf. It deserves it. It's a mecca. Um, it really is the new mecca. It's a new mecca for sure. But this is something I'm fascinated about because for really for scratch players, it's you're probably not even thinking about it. But for someone that's like a ten or even an eight um, or even a six, you know, it, it's potentially what will separate you so an example would be here's i told you this off air last weekend i was playing and i had you know we're not going to talk through a lot of specific shots here but I'll, I'll give this to you as an example i had i think like 134 to a back flag on a par four i had my 140 club i kind of choked down i'm like all right i'll choke down i'll take a little bit off and you know i thinned it and what i wasn't thinking about i just thought pin you know flag yardage and then I'm like, all right, well, I don't have that yardage, so I'll just take a little bit off. And that was all the thought I put into it. Yep. What happened was I didn't commit, so I kind of thinned it. It went over the green, and over the green is a hazard 
You can't go long and the flag's in the back. The one place you can't be. And so I realized after that hole, I'm like, huh, if I would have thought about where I can't be, I probably wouldn't have hit that club. I would have hit a club where if I hit it perfect, it's probably like 12 feet below the hole. If I don't hit it great, it's probably in the middle of the green. And if I miss it, either way, it's, you know, green side around the green and and I'm getting up and down up the hill, um, up the green. But I didn't think about those things. And suddenly I had to like pitch out from like under a tree. And I think I ended up making double. So it was very tough to watch is what you're saying. It was tough to watch. Yeah. But that is, <laughs> that was even though, and this is something I want to get into. A lot of people will debate, well, my, I don't know how to hit the ball well. So it's more no, about hitting the no, ball than my mental no. approach. But I think it's a pretty even combination because of course I'm going to make misses. But if I'm mentally strategizing in a way that my misses are going to be minimal, that's what separates shooting in the 70s every time. Well, that's it, right? I mean, so you go to that back to that hole, you're 134 out. You've got to find the club that if I hit the shot I want, if I make a great swing, I'm going to knock it close. If I don't make my best swing, where's it going to go? And in that case, it needs to go short. Yeah. Because you can't go long. Right. You think that. You're thinking your way around the golf course. You know, but like you said, you just, you weren't. And I think that's the biggest thing. Where, where do I need to miss the ball? I mean, Tiger talked about that at the Masters. Just missing all the right spots. You know, and at our level, like, you know, or just like we're just normal players. Or, I mean, you know, that's all you can be thinking about. That's what you have to be thinking about. You know? Right. Well, but what do you think? What do you think gets in the way? Just trying to make the great swing. I think it's a lack of uh, lack of thinking. I think it's a lack of discipline and a lack of focus. Really, I think it's it's a it's a, a one dimensional thinking versus three dimensional thinking. If that makes sense, right. like it's a you're too caught up in your in the fear of of being embarrassed in front of friends or colleague or whatever. So you're too in your head about your swing. You're too in your head about the fear. And, and so you're so focused on like making that perfect practice swing and like not messing up that you're not thinking about all of the ways that you could. Like I helped my dad with this when we play. My dad's, you know, a beginner. And I'm like, dad, why are you hitting? Dad, you know, you know your miss is that wipey slice, right? Right. So where are you aiming? You're probably aiming in the middle of the fairway because you're not thinking about it. But then your wipey slice would go in the hazard. So why don't you aim in the left center of the fairway? If you hit it straight, right. you're still in the fairway. Right. And if you wipe it, well, you're probably in just the first cut of the rough. So that's a very simple change. Well, and that's, you know, obviously you're talking about a beginner, but we've talked about this a lot, Ev. And you got to... We don't have to get. We're not going to get into too much into mechanics, obviously. But you got to have one miss, right? And yeah. you got to know your miss. And you know, we've talked about typically as a right-handed player, you want to. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it to the right. Can't miss it left. Right. You have to know that, right? And that's arguably you know, that's one of the most of, valuable things you could do in your game. Like yeah. if you were going to go to a lesson, I've said this. I said it to Gankus. I said, "Hey, Gankus, I want one miss. I'm missing it both ways, honestly." It makes well, me a mental case. That's the worst. It's the yeah. worst. I feel like I can't commit to anything, you know? Right. Because let me say this. When we've all played in Branson, yeah. I noticed 
a huge difference in how I felt when I stepped up to the tee. And you guys are all my good friends. Like, there's nothing right. to be scared of. But playing in a group with three D1 scratch golfers, when back here in LA, I'm usually one of the best players in the group at like a six handicap, yeah. I felt a almost you like an imposter. A tension come over you? I felt a tension. I felt a little bit of an imposter syndrome where it's almost like I didn't belong and want to like mess up. And I like, I know what I'm doing out there. Right. But I play, I've historically played better when I'm playing with people that are worse than me in mm -hmm. a same thing will happen like if you play a Muni versus mm -hmm. like a really, if you get invited to like a nice club or like yeah. you're playing in a scramble or a tournament where there's pressure versus playing in the Muni with friends. I notice there's a huge difference in my results and it's probably all tension and lack of fear. You have a lot of fear. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's well, one or the but, other. But, right. But, you either have but, but, tension and fear or have you have all no your, fear. And it's true. And, and, and I think anybody experiences this in golf in one way or the other. But you're, you're worried about expectations of us, expectations of yourself. And you're not thinking about your pre-shot routine. You're not thinking about your target. <laughs> you're not thinking about what the wind's doing. You're no. not thinking about where you got to miss it. Right. It's almost like you right? black out. Totally. Like I've, totally I've, made, I've made like eight bogeys in a row. And I remember thinking, I'm on the bogey train right now, which is off brand. Like don't tell yeah, it's anyone. it's not exactly on brand. It's not on brand. Don't tell anyone. I'm, I've been on the bogey train today. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know how. I don't even know why I'm making bogeys. You know, I, I used to work a little bit with a sports psychologist when, we were, when I was younger. And this is really interesting. I don't know if I've ever said this to you. He said, if you, cut, you make a bogey and you make, or make a double, the only thing you're thinking is, this, and this is one approach. This is good. The only thinking, thing you're thinking about after you walk off that green is how am I, how am I going to make par? I'm going to make par on the next hole. Not birdie, not eagle. I'm going to make par. And it kind of is a de-stressor when you get to that next tee box. Hmm. I thought that was really interesting and it worked a lot just gonna make part see that's know? interesting because i almost i almost find that that doesn't work for me if i'm thinking about yeah. the score like it amazes me when you hear tiger be like i knew i needed the number i needed to shoot coming in i needed to go four under coming in i needed tigers to tigers forget tiger forget, right. forget tiger but, this is okay he's not relatable okay when he talks about that stuff. okay but my point <laughs> is that it's just not he's, he's I, not. if i'm thinking about the score i'm trying to make but, i find that i'm pressing Hold the hole versus I've noticed when I play my best, but I think, but, I'm so, I'm so enwrenched with the process. What yeah. am I trying to do here? Shot to shot. Suddenly sure. you look back but and the, I've made eight pars and a birdie and I'm one under. I get it. But the thing about that whole kind of little philosophy is when we get off a bad hole, we want to go make, you just want to go make birdie. You're like, I got to get it back. Oh, right, right, and, right, yeah. And at the end of the day, you, you don't get anything back. You make it a double bogey. You know, people always say, oh, I got the bogey back the next hole with a birdie. No, you didn't get it back. That bogey exists. That yeah. happened. That's yeah. over par. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know what I mean? Like, you always hear that. It's like, no, 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 that happened. You can't change what happened. Right. You know, <laughs> so I think that's all, you know, but it's so, whatever it is to get your mind kind of back in line you know, after that really bad hole, because Ev, I mean, we, we, we've all had it. One bad hole, one bad swing can ruin around. Yeah. You know? 
Well, but it's it's getting back to that pre-shot routine. Here's the funny thing: is when we all played together, you start to think these crazy things where you're like, "God, I'm I, I was kind of excited to show the guys that I haven't played with in years, like how much better I've gotten, and right. this isn't how I normally play, and." They're going to like think I suck and like all of these crazy self-deprecating um, terrible thoughts. And I realized Rory said this to the Masters. You know, Rory's arguably playing some of his best golf this year. He said before the Masters, the thing he's been working on outside of any mechanics, the main thing he's been working on is realizing that he is not his results. Yeah. He does yeah, not identify with his results. He's doing a couple, he's doing a lot of different things. Yeah. And that's huge. But like that's, to me, that's really interesting because suddenly you remove the ego and this idea that like, cause I admit it, like, you know, we're podcast hosts for a golf podcast. I go on a lot of golf trips. People see that I'm always playing golf. And when you play bad, it's like, you know, it can be embarrassing because you can get caught up in the identity of it, of being this quote golfer versus just being a guy that happens to be playing golf as like a fun activity with friends. And sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't. But I guarantee you that if you probably stopped identifying with your scores, you probably would play a lot better, ironically. I mean, it's supposed to be fun in the end, right? Yeah. It can be very not fun, <laughs> right? Well, you know? it can be the worst. It can be just a very, very terrible sport. Um, you know, I think that was another big thing is, you know, you got to let the course come to you a little bit too. You know, we were on that Branson trip and I mean, a lot of us, I mean, us Midwesterners hadn't played a ton of golf and you're kind of rusty and, you know, sometimes you don't need to hit driver on every hole, you know? I mean, the fairways were warm and, you know, or dry and they were running, you know, and like, I think that's a big thing too. You know, you can score in a lot of different ways. Um, well, can you talk about that? Because you're one of the, the scrappiest, best players around the greens that I've ever played with. And we only played nine holes. What does it mean to let the course come to you? Well, there's no one way to play a hole. There's a lot of ways you can do it. You know, sometimes on a... I mean, we were playing Ozark National. For, for those listeners out there, Ozark National is a fantastic new core crunch track course in Branson, Missouri. Anybody should play. We only got nine holes, unfortunately, but it's a link, very link-style course. You step up there, you've got a 470-yard par four. seems long, but the fairways were so hot. The wind was up. You can hit a three-wood off that hole, and you can hit a three-wood 300 yards. You know? I mean, I'm a short hitter. If you could do the three with 350 yards, yeah. you know, so you got to, what you got instead of like, you know, so you, you can make the game simple, simpler that way, especially when you're not completely confident with like, let's say your driver, for example, or your emotions, right? right. <laughs> I think that was kind of your situation. You were, you know, um, I, I think another thing is too, you, you know, um, you know, like I wasn't hitting it that great that day when we were playing, but I, my short game was, you know, was really good. Now, I'm not afraid to hit in the bunker. I'm not afraid to, you know, you know, not hit a par five and two, you know? So I, I think that's kind of letting the course come to you as well. You know what I mean? But like you mentioned it earlier, you got to leave the ego at the door a little bit, right? Yeah. 
Well, here's one thing that I've debated with our buddy Ryan, who I mentioned earlier a lot, because, you know, we're partners at his member guest every summer. And yeah. there's a whole, I think it's 14 or 15 at Meadowbrook in St. Louis. And it's drivable. It's probably 300 yards, dog leg right around a tree. He always hits driver. Yeah. And his view is if I'm somewhere around the green, I have a better chance to try and get up and down. Even if it's from a, there's a gnarly bunker on the left. Sometimes he's been near the trees. He's got a crazy yeah. pick shot. And he thinks he's got a better chance to make birdie getting up and down around the green. Um, yeah. Where, so I, I've ran this exercise in my mind where if I played this hole 10 times, do I have a better chance to make birdie somewhere around the green with some erratic drives thrown in? Does that bring bogey into play? Or if I hit a four iron and had, like, to me, maybe this is, you know, no laying up wouldn't like it. Um, and maybe <laughs> it's conservative. But if you think honestly, if you had 10 chances and you give me an iron to a wedge, more times than not, I'm going to probably have a, an, a lower score on aggregate. Because the percentages are just so much better to hit an iron. I'm more likely to hit a fairway with an iron. And I'm probably going to hit the green or just off the green with a wedge versus a driver. You know, it brings a lot into play. But at the same time, you got to know what you're comfortable with. You got to know what well, creates Ryan, the most confidence. I mean, well, here's the, but here's the thing, Ev. You get on that tee box. What's your target? You know, forget about trying to, you're not going to make eagle, right? So, you, so you're not going to hit on the green. So just, I'm going to hit it at that bunker as opposed to try to steer it. You know what I mean? Do you think? Yeah. Oh, that's you interesting. Have to, so mentally, it's actually takes right. off the pressure because you're trying right. to hit a bunker versus trying to drive the green, which Correct. is like some miraculous shot. It right, because, creates a lot of pressure. And I think that's the big thing oh, here, you know, especially in holes like that. It's like you're not going to make eagle. It's gonna, if you do, it's going to happen once, right. once every so many rounds. Right. And I think it's like, how can I make birdie? Now, there's a couple of ways to make birdie. If that's Forget about the miraculous and just think about the practical, you know? And maybe it's being very aware of how you're hitting it that day. Like if, totally. you're, if you're smoking your driver, then smoke your driver at that bunker. If it's kind of erratic, it, hit the iron. Right, right. You know, so it's just being aware. Being completely aware. Yeah. Let's talk about um, the range versus the course. Sure. How many times do we uh, hit it great on the range and why? then feel like we've never played golf when we get out to the first day? Why is it when you have a shitty range session, you play great, and a great range session, you don't? It's all expectations, right? Well, well I, I think it's two things, right? I mean, we, we're hitting at it, right? A little bit like, you, right, you, you have no, you're not, you're not worried about where the ball's going to go on the range. Right. So you're free. You have less tension, right? You're making a bigger turn. You know, you're free flowing. You're making fearless swings. You get onto that first hole, and you see all the trouble it gets into your mind. And so you have to kind of buckle. You just have to buckle down harder on the course, right? Because now we're playing for results, right? We're playing for score. I mean, we can't be fo we focus on that too much. We get in trouble. So you have to, and you have to buckle down so hard on your, your alignment, your target, your pre-chat routine. It's yeah. the same every time. And sometimes that's a hard transition and you play those first couple holes and you get some wayward shots and you just can't recover the whole day. 
you know? Yeah. Well, you know what's really interesting? I've said this on the show before, but um, when we play this Muni course before work on Fridays sometimes, um, we hardly even keep score. We're just kind of dicking around, playing for fun. You know, it's just fun on a Friday morning to get out, you know, at 5 a.m. before work and get in and get 18 in before work. And I noticed yeah. Strat and I are always like couple over. And granted, you know, it's an easy exact course, a lot of par threes, one four yeah. or a few fours, a five. But so one time I played in a, a tournament and I told myself, play like it's Westchester in LA. Mm. Yeah. And the key in my thinking was, I don't care. I don't care about what I, cause I always felt like I, I was good enough to win this tournament. I, I kept yeah. coming into the tournament playing well, and then I just wouldn't play well in the tournament. So finally I'm like, all right, you know what? I literally don't give a shit. I'm here. Maybe if I hit one close, I'll make a skin and I'll make a few bucks back or I'll get it close to the pin and I'll make a few bucks. But honestly, I'm just here to play and I really don't give a shit what happens. I don't care where the ball goes. Wherever the ball goes, I'll recover to the best of my ability and I literally don't care about this round. And the funny thing is, is that round, I shot a 76 and I won the tournament. And then in other rounds, when I start off the opposite, I start off caring a lot. You know, you can, you can tell how much, how attached sure. to the outcome is by how frustrated someone gets because Absolutely. you're holding on to it. So Absolutely. let's say I started a round really attached to my outcomes, trying to play well, trying to win, trying to make things happen. I get really frustrated, so frustrated. And this happens a lot at really nice courses, like on a golf trip, because you're like, God, I, I don't want to like, you're like ruining my trip. You know, you travel all right. the way playing like shit yeah. you usually i get to a place where i say okay i'm not going to care anymore about how i play i'm just going to play and every right. time pretty much every time the round turns around a lot it, of it yeah. is caring yeah it's it's a mix of having a plan out there but also having fun <laughs> it's like the trickiest little balance right yeah because you gotta, you want to still be because mindful you can't just, and focused. You can't just get, I, i'm not I, I don't buy just get up to the tee and not think about anything yeah. Right? You got you to gotta think about something, right? And yeah. it's just got to be a consistent thing, right? And we talk about that same pre-shot routine, that same picking your target. But just like, man, just enjoying yourself out there. You know, you know getting back to the range thing, Adam, one thing that helped me a lot is I would try to hit um, a lot of shots on the range that were shots I was going to hit on the course. Yeah. So you know, if there's, you know, there's four par three, there's four, what, four or five par threes at Buffalo Ridge. And a lot of them are, you know, a oh, couple of them incredible. are four hundred, right? Yeah. Like, Buffalo you know, Ridge. so if you guys haven't played Buffalo Ridge and Branson, incredible course. Oh, it's a dream. Place is a dream. a dream. Like that. Remember that fourth hole? So, you know, the, the cliff on the left and you, you where do you got to miss it on four? Out to the right because it slopes down, mm -hmm. you know, um, right. You can't miss it left, but like, just kind of trying to get familiarity on the range. So hitting that, hitting that knockdown four iron, draw three woods, you know, just trying to kind of play the holes, some of the holes in my mind, mm -hmm. um, especially, and then always my last shot of the, my last shot of my warm up is the shot I'm going to hit on the first hole, you know? Yeah. And for sure. So whether that's a, you know, whether that's ripping driver or whether that's punching the three wood or whatever that, whatever that shot is. So, because it, <laughs> you, you wish you could take the whole range attitude to the course, you know, 
it's hard to take that completely, but you've got to have well some of it. It's familiarity funny. you just described. You described two stress. things there. You described how you can take, or I talked about really taking a a lighter approach on the course, meaning you're you're open to whatever results happen. You don't identify with your results. You don't care about how you play. You care about having fun, right? That's trying to take a range type approach of freedom to the course that that's important but then you could also take a course approach to the range is what you just described right i think that's another reason why we this game is the best and why we're addicted and it just it it encapsulates it it's why i think about it all the time because just there's no there's nothing no better example of your mindset translating um to things in reality faster than the game of golf so simply by you taking a different approach in the rings, you could have a totally different round. Right. You, it, it has, you can't just, you, I, at least in my experience, just, just hitting balls with no thought before you play doesn't work. Cause it's kind of not, it's not real. It's not real. Right. Yeah. yeah. You've got to warm, warm up, get loose, hit shot, but then you've got to get into tournament mode on that, you know, kind of, you know, create what's going to happen out there. Um, you know what I mean? Well, that, I think that's, I think that's, a, I think it's a big thing. Well, that's a great point because that reminds me of, remember what Genkis said when we interviewed him a few weeks ago about the short game? He said a lot drill? of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but his short game oh, sure, drill, yeah. if you guys haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen. It's incredible. But I started doing Genkis's short game drill, which is you pick one hole in your practice area and you do three pitches three bump and runs and three flop shots. And your goal is you got to get up and down six out of nine times before you can leave. And now at surface level, that sounds like we've all heard it before, you know, make a game out of it. Um, But I think what I didn't realize would be so impactful is the hit a pick shot, knowing I got to get six of nine to leave. And you know, it's getting late at the range. I'm getting a little tired. Sure. Knowing I got to get six of nine. I hit my pick shot. I don't hit another pick shot right away. I pick up my putter and I walk to the hole and I got to make it. And I realize, you know, I'm leaving myself eight footers, 10 footers. I'm like, I, I got to be closer than this. My odds of making these are, are, are less. I started to get the feeling like I was on the course. And I did that drill probably five times. And I played the next day. And I tell you what, something changed in me. Like I, th- I was more confident that I would get up and down, but I also started to have an, a, a mental approach. I'm like, okay, well, I got three options here. I can bump it, I can pitch it, I can flop it. I knew that before, but I almost practiced the pressure right. on the course that well, it, it almost felt like I was practicing out there. It, it's weird. It's hard to explain, but I, well, I, I shot a 77 well, when I hadn't broken 80 in months and... I attribute yeah, a lot I mean, to my confidence around the greens because of that drill, and I just did it one time. It's a great well, it's, and I think that's a good segue here because we're we're talking a lot about you know this is obviously we're talking about the mental game, but we're talking about a lot about our long game. Yeah. And what about the short game, right? Which is more important, you know, and how that. I mean, you, that's a great example of how you kind of you salvaged around when you broke eighty because you felt like you had a plan around the greens, right? Yeah. You had options. I think I told you this, I was playing in a scramble last week or two <laughs> weeks ago, and we lost by one. We shot 16 under, which is good. I mean, we yeah. played good, but we missed 
two 12 footers, two, a 10 footer and a 12 footer on two of the last three holes, four guys. And, and like, dude, putts that did not really break. <laughs> it was right. so embarrassing. Right. You know, then you get in and you lose by one. You're like, you just want to like storm out of a charity event and just make it all about you. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> but I, I think I, I, don't know, I told you, um, and I was the anchor and I, and I was really down on myself cause I missed both. I, missed, I was the last guy to putt and I missed him. And you don't miss, Fair, like, you, you don't miss those often. I was caught up on, you know, trying to, you know, be the hero. And as I thought about those putts, um, when I putt good, I told you, I think about just keeping my head down. You know, I wasn't thinking yeah. about that. You know, keep your head down, let the putter do the work. Yeah. You, know, you can talk about, you know, your great putting exhibition on the putting green. What was that last week or it's today? Why do we putt like champs on the putting green, right? <laughs> it's the same thing with the range, you know? You just you just free. <laughs> no joke. I was telling you this before we recorded. I was with my two buddies. Uh, we got nine putting greens at this little park by my house here in LA, and we, a couple buddies came over. We got our trip tomorrow, and so we're just like catching up, talking. Took like six balls out there, all had putters, and no joke. I never seen anything like it. One dude is using one hand. Guy's dropping twenty five footers. I, I I'm no, no joke. He probably made like 11 of 14, 25 footers in a row. And it's just like nothing. I'm making 20 footers. We're all just kind of shooting the shit, putting as we talk. And we were making everything. And it's because we we were, our strokes were free. We weren't thinking about anything. We had no attachment to the outcomes. Reading some book. I forgot what it was called. But the drill was go into the putting green and lay the flag stick down. You know, so it's basically like a, you know, a six foot target. Mm -hmm. And just putt to that. You know, do 30 footers, 40 footers. What does your stroke feel like? Hmm. And it just felt like you were just putting like a kid, right? Free flowing, and you're just hitting the, and you're hitting the stick every time. I mean, everybody talks about you know you're playing. You got to play like you were like, like a child because you don't think. Speaking of thoughts, I know we're already at forty three minutes. I knew we would have no problem talking about the mental game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the last thing I'll say oh, is, um, so I've read Zen Golf. I don't know if you've ever read it. Um, not, um, I don't know if I not a surprise a combination spot. of Zen and golf, kind of a bullseye for me. Um, yeah. but I will say one of the most valuable lessons, and I learned this when I was just starting out and I did it for, um, months and it, it really helped. And then, you know, it's easy to regress. Um, it, I counted, the book says to count the number of negative things you say to yourself or about yourself every hole. And I was averaging probably one or two negative thoughts a whole. Now, that sounds bad, but I guarantee you 99% of you do this too. It, it, it may not even feel negative, but it's like, So God. we're talking about, we're talking a potential of 25 to 40 negative thoughts around. Yeah. Like, honestly, try this. Count how many negative thoughts you have around. And the beautiful thing about awareness is just by raising your awareness, you begin to decrease yeah. it because you're more aware. And you're not even yeah. need to try. But, you know, little things like, God damn it, Evan, like, fucking left it short again. Or, God, you stupid idiot. <laughs> you know, you, like, say this shit to yourself and you berate yourself. And the other thing, so that's one thing. Decrease your negative thoughts and be okay with, again, whatever happens. Like, don't put yourself down. The pros suck it up and they're doing this for a living. You do this once a week if you're lucky. Most of the people in the country can't do it once a week. So, like, how are you going to play the hardest game ever that good? 
Like, let's be honest, right? The other thing that's really interesting is they said count the number of anyways you have in a round. And anyway is, let's say you run out, let's say it's car path only, it rained or something. You run out to your ball. You realize once you get to your ball, you got the wrong club. Well, you're kind of lazy. You don't want to run back to the car, so you hit it anyways, right? That's an anyway. Another anyway right. is you're, you're not really feeling comfortable over the ball or like something says something and, and you don't reset and you hit it anyways. Um, if you eliminate or decrease negative self-talk and the number of anyways in a round, I guarantee you, you lower your score. You hit that good shot or you hit that bad shot. You just got to be focused on your pre-shot routine. That's it. That's it. Repetition, right? Yeah. And just do the and best you can and like release the attachment to it. If you're, if you're thinking about your routine, you can get mad. My brother was good at this. He would get so mad after a bad shot, but he was the best at forgetting about it. By the time he got to that next shot or he got up to the ball, he's back in his routine. And it's like, it, you know. So I don't know, ever. Chase great strategy, you know, not a perfect swing or an expectation. That's what I think. Yeah. This is a deep episode. (laughs) I know. This is probably our deepest episode. I'd say golf as an addiction was close, but this is, uh, this has given me an opportunity to talk, you know, mental strength. So I'm loving it, but yeah, it's, it's deep. Some of you probably aren't ready. The reason for this. why we, we, we couldn't bring Strat on because too many jokes, <laughs> too many curse words. Yeah. You know, what is one? Let's leave people with this. What is one thing? <laughs> if you could tell someone to do one thing differently in their round tomorrow, is it the? Pre, is, it sounds like for you, it's a pre-shot routine. <laughs> yeah, your pre your pre-shot routine is not good enough. Get your yardage. Check the wind. <laughs> Where do I got to miss it? And then the, then there's the. Same amount of practice swings, same amount of waggles, same time, same amount of you know how you set your stance. That's a lot. Work on it. Yeah. Perfect it. Yeah. What about you? Mine is probably just to try not to care. It's yeah. to it's to welcome. It's 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 kind of an invigorating thing. Like I'm gonna be mindful about where I want this to go and where my misses are, but it could go anywhere. So I'm okay wherever it is. You know, I think Eric Lang says this. He has more fun from shots not in the fairway anyways. So it sounds cliche, but just try and have fun with every shot because look, we've all had we've all had incredible par saves, heard of it, par train, and amazing up and downs. And you're gonna remember that maybe more than an eagle. So just fucking embrace it and try and have fun and stop being so damn hard on yourself. You know? It's the perfect blend to have I think, you know. You're saying not to care, and I think I'm saying, you know, maybe if you do, when you care, care about the, you got to care about the right Care thing, about the process. Right? Only care about the process, not the results, is basically what we're saying. Man. Wow. That was God. good. What an incredible <laughs> episode to have before I go on a Ryder Cup trip in 110 Dude, degree you, heat, 16 guys. I mean, everybody's got to be, all, all our listeners out there, you got to be following uh, some of the Insta action. Uh, yeah, if you want to do a little blog about the Ricky go Cup. Out, you know, Sunday night when the Ricky Cup's over, but. You know, you can you can look back on what happened at the Ricky Cup and don't and and we'll put some funny content on the par train Instagram and, and Twitter, too. So it's going to be a mental breakthrough week for Ev because of this episode at the Ricky oh, yeah, Cup. For sure. I'm going to have so much fun. I'm probably going to bury some faces in the sand, too. I'm, I'm peeking right now. I'm feeling real good. 
Here we go. Here we go. All right. Well, Strat missed a good one. Is. I'll see him tomorrow. He did. I'll give him your best. <laughs> but hey, go Blues. And uh, go Blues. And yeah, uh, we'll see you guys in uh, in a couple weeks. This was great. All right. Signing off. Peace.